0: Jan, I said to myself, just accept it. Today is the day we are all gonna die. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Jan and I'm married to Pastor Darren. Darren and I moved to BC back in 1994 for the first time. We lived in Chilliwack and on a beautiful day, we decided to take our first road trip to Whistler on the Sea to Sky Highway. So Darren and I and the three kids hopped into the car and started off on our way. As we're going down the highway, things were good, all was good, then I was starting to feel a little uneasy. The further we went from home and the closer we were getting to the mountains, I just could feel my anxiety rising up a little. I started grabbing at my seat to steady myself. I told Darren, would you slow down? You're driving too fast. I felt like I was wearing out the imaginary brake on my side of the car. I just didn't know why he wouldn't slow down. I was getting so annoyed. He was ignoring me. My heart started beating faster and faster. I was convinced we were going to crash. My mind was so frantic, and I was filled with such anxiety and fear that the only way I could calm my mind was to say to myself, Okay, Jan, just accept it. Today is the day we are all going to die. Well, I thought I was hiding how miserable I felt and how I was feeling, but apparently I wasn't because as we parked the car um, and got the kids out, Darren suggested that maybe I walk behind them for a little while because no one wanted to be around me. If I'm honest, I don't think I wanted to be around me tried to pull myself together and tried to enjoy the day as we walked through the little village and enjoyed the cute little shops and all was going well until we decided to go up the gondola as we're going up the gondola in this little glass box that's wiggling and jiggling we look down below and there we see a black bear family and my little son who was two years old at the time he starts banging on the glass doors and pushing on them to try to get the bear's attention. Well, I thought for sure he was going to fall out and be killed. And again, the only way I could gain control of my thoughts was to say, just accept it, Jan. Today is the day we will all die, either from falling out of the gondola or from being in a car crash. It was after this I began to realize and admit to myself that maybe I was having a little problem with stress and our move to Chilliwack. You see, Darren and I are from Ontario. All our extended family and friends are there. Everything that was familiar we left behind when we moved to Chilliwack. We had new doctors, new house, new schools, new dentists, new city, new province, new people, new everything. I knew that I would need time to adjust, but I just wasn't prepared for all the negative thoughts I was having. You see, my reactions were a little over the top. Everything in my mind was taken to the extreme. If the kids were sick, I thought they were gonna die. If Darren was home a little late, I thought for sure he had been in a car accident. If I had any aches and pains, I thought for sure I must have cancer. I was desperately trying to be positive and embrace this new stage of our lives, but my mind was being constantly bombarded. I became very irritable. I was either sad or angry all the time. I was fatigued, waking up in the morning feeling like I had never slept. My back and my neck and shoulders ached. I felt overwhelmed most of the time, and I had difficulties concentrating, making decisions. And my major issue was, I had very low self-esteem. Have you ever heard that little song, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to the garden to eat worms? Well, that was my theme song. All of these negative thoughts led me to believe all kinds of lies about myself. No one ever voiced them, but I just believed them to be true. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had no income. I had no career. I had gained a few extra pounds after having three kids. I had one year of college after high school. In my mind, when I looked around, everyone else seemed so talented, so musical, so educated, and I felt so inadequate and so insecure. I realized that I was looking for my identity and worth in the wrong places. I always felt like I didn't measure up. But then whose standard was I using? I realized now that I put expectations and pressures on myself that no one else did. I had an unrealistic view of who I should be. So it's no wonder I was failing in every way. No matter how hard I tried, it was just never enough. So I gave up. That first year in Chilliwack, I struggled with a lot of dark days. One particular day I found myself sitting on the floor in our bedroom, crying, begging, pleading with God to help me. I just didn't know what was going on. So I opened my Bible and started reading in the book of Psalms. Psalms are an ancient book or ancient poems found in the Old Testament. Psalm 142 was written by a man named David, who was probably the best known king of ancient Israel. David was in the cave hiding from his enemies at the time when he wrote this. This is what it says. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell him all my troubles. When my spirit goes faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. There is no one concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for those who are too strong for me. Set me free from this prison, that I may praise your name boy, could I relate to David. Rescue me from those who pursue me. To me, that was all these nagging negative thoughts and feelings. They were too strong for me. I needed God to do what the Psalm said. I needed him to rescue me. As I sat there with tears streaming down my face, I just said, God, I give you everything all over again. I give you me, I give you my aches, my pains, my fears, my hopes, my past, my present, my future. God, I just, I give you all of me. Take me if you want me, I'm yours. I have been a follower of Christ all my life, pretty much. I knew that God loved the world and that I was a part of that world But I really needed to know that He loved me deep down into the core of who I was. God reminded me that He was faithful, that He is good, that He is kind and all-powerful. He reminded me that He could take this messy self and He could bring health and wholeness to my mind, my body, and my soul. Some of the dark clouds did lift that day. The more time I spent reading the Bible, listening to worship music, and even just resting in His presence helped. I started to write in a journal. It helped for me to write down some of my thoughts and feelings and not keep them all up in my head. I started to think and feel better. And then I learned to apply what it says in Romans 12 verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I needed to learn to examine and challenge all these thoughts that were coming to me and replace the negative ones with God's truth. Through reading the Bible over the next weeks and months, I learned a lot of things about who God says I am and the truths that he revealed to me. The truth that I am precious, that I am cherished and dearly loved by God. The truth that He will never leave me. The truth that His Spirit will lead and guide me. The truth that He is my friend. The truth that He delights in me. The truth that His perfect love chases all my fears away. And that there is nothing that can separate me from His love. I learned the truth that I have intrinsic value simply because I am made in the image of God. One way God speaks to his people is through visions. And I'm reminded of a vision that Darren had. In the vision, he was sitting, um, on, the sea, sitting on a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee, talking with Jesus. And Jesus was talking to him and pointed to the ground at a rock. And Jesus asked him, how much is that rock worth? Darren looked and said, it's worthless, nothing. It's been sitting there for years. It's been overlooked. It's been trampled on. It's been ignored. Jesus then bent over and picked up the rock and held it in his hand. Now he said, now how much is this rock worth? Wow, Darren said, now it's priceless. All the money in the world could not buy a rock that has been held in the hands of Jesus. Jesus then turned to Darren and said, "This rock is you." This truth isn't just for my husband, but it's for all of us. Our worth isn't tied to how we look, what we do, or what we have. Our worth is tied to who created us, who loves us, and who holds us in his hands. Life became sort of normal after that. And before long, we had our fourth child. And then we were on the move again, this time back to Ontario. Now, you got to know, I don't like change. I'm not a risk taker. I'm quite content to be in the background. And now, I'm the new pastor's wife at a church, and everyone knows who I am, and I have to get all these names to learn all over again, make new friendships, while still grieving the old ones I just left. All of this required a lot of mental and emotional energy, and I was starting to run short of. The move wasn't easy for any of us. We moved at the end of December, So the kids were pulled out of school halfway through their year starting a new school in our new place. With the move, all those old thoughts, feelings, and insecurities came rushing back even stronger. I knew that scripture that says, take every thought captive. I was trying to do that, but there were just too many thoughts. Have you ever seen a person practicing tennis with one of those automatic ball machines? A ball is fired, the tennis player sits ready, hits the ball, no problem. Now imagine the ball machine is malfunctioning. Like a machine gun, it starts firing out those balls way too fast. More and more balls keep getting fired out. The tennis player is soon overwhelmed by all those balls. He can't keep up. He gets tired and gives up. That's how I felt with the racing thoughts. I had thought, what is going on? I thought I've already dealt with this. I was walking every day, I was trying to eat healthy, trying to do all the things I knew that would help me feel better. So then, it was at this time, I had to consider the possibility that maybe there was something more to my depression than just my diet, my exercise, and my walk with God. It was at this point I began to factor in my my family history, the genetic and chemical components in my life. You should know that my father took his own life when I was a young girl. From what my mom told me and from what I remember, he suffered long bouts of depression and severe mood swings. He loved God, he went to Bible college, we went to church as a family, and yet he still struggled with depression at a deep level. He believed the lie that we would all be better off without him. Please don't believe that lie. It has been 50 years, almost 50 years, since my father took his own life, and I am still dealing with the consequences of his actions to this day. I am not better off without him. But neither did I want to follow in his footsteps. I wanted to be well, I I loved my kids, I loved my husband, I loved our new life, and yet I just couldn't seem to escape these dark days. One day as I sat in the doctor's office, I just broke down in tears. I told her how I was feeling, that I could no longer stop all these thoughts, And now I was just beginning to believe what they said. I couldn't stand up to them any longer. The constant nagging of how lousy I was had the thought, maybe I should just jump off a bridge. The doctor listened, and then said, I think you might be struggling with depression. And she suggested that medication would help. Now, you have to know I was embarrassed and a little reluctant at first to try medication. But I also knew things had to change. For several months, I didn't tell anyone I was on antidepressants, but then I did notice they were helping. So let me be clear here, though. I'm not saying that everyone that is depressed needs to go on medication. There are a lot of reasons why people experience depression in their lives. Sometimes, life circumstances cause us to battle depression, especially after a death or a loss of any kind, health issues, family issues, relational difficulties, past trauma, living in disobedience to what God wants you to do, and harbouring unforgiveness and bitterness. All of these things can cause depression. Sometimes you might just need time to adjust Sometimes you just might need rest. There are times you might just need to seek the skill of a counselor and talk things out. Some of you might be going through dark days right now, but you can work your way through it, even without medication. The source of your depression may be different than the source of mine. You see, what I'm saying in my situation, I spent years thinking, praying, trying to live a godly life, I forgave my father, I was active in our church, and yet my depression lingered on. For me, medication helped um, with the brain chemistry. And you probably will say, oh, I'm too afraid to try medication. Yeah, I get it, I felt like that too. And then you may wonder, who should even consider taking medication? When your depression starts to interfere with your daily life and how you function, if you're having suicidal thoughts, if you have thoughts of harming yourself, those are signs you need to seek outside help immediately. And all I can say from personal experience is, if your doctor suggests you try medication, at least consider it an option. So don't misunderstand either. Medication is not a magic or instant solution. It'll take time and you may have to try a few different ones to get the right one for you. You also need to realize that medication doesn't change your sad or negative thoughts into happy thoughts. They're not happy pills. Medication does help, though, slow the racing thoughts so now you can manage and begin to identify the truth from the lies. Another thing medication shouldn't do, it shouldn't make you into a zombie or living in a fog all day. If it does, you may want to adjust it or talk to your doctor. So realize you don't become a zombie, but nor do you get a high or something from it either. To be honest, sometimes I kind of wish it did, because with four kids, I could have used a little extra energy. By the way, you might be wondering, how did I respond to our move to Vancouver 12 years ago? Well, it was the best move yet, because I was highly medicated. Just kidding, let's face it, we all need to lighten up a little bit. I still have dark days like everyone else, but they come and go. They don't linger for weeks or months at a time. I still battle negative thoughts about myself, what I'm able to do, but I'm able now to identify the truth from lies. And I rely on what God tells me and rely on the strength that He gives me. With Him, I can face anything. He gives me a place to live from an inner security and rest that comes from Him. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. God exchanges my weakness for his strength, my fears for his peace, my loneliness for his presence. So what about you? Are you struggling with depression? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you sad all the time? Are you thinking others would be better off without you? Are your thoughts racing and always negative in tone? Don't suffer alone. Tell someone, talk to your a friend, talk to a pastor, talk to a counselor, your parent, a teacher, a coworker, go to your family doctor. You don't have to suffer alone. Next week, using the example how God helped the prophet Elijah during his darkest days, My husband is going to show us some other practical ways that we can battle depression in our lives. So let me conclude. Here's what I've learned in trying to manage my depression. Depression can affect anyone at any time. There is no shame in battling depression. As we learned last week, even godly people struggle with depression and have dark days. You need to be honest about what's going on, how you're feeling, and seek help. Remember, you're not alone, and you are loved. That God is with you right where you are, always. He is close to the brokenhearted. You can trust Him, you can call out to Him, and He will do for you what He's done for me. Let's pray. Uh, God, I just want to help, I just want to pray for those that are struggling right now. You know every person that's out there, everyone that's watching, and I just pray that you would meet them where they are. That your divine power would give them life and hope and health. That you will do for them what you did for me, that in their weakness you would teach them your strength. And I pray that if they are believing lies, you would begin to show them the truth. I pray that you would bring health and wholeness back to their mind, body, and spirit. Just give them peace today, Lord. And those of you that may be watching and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, just pray this prayer with me. Father, I am sorry for my sin. I don't wanna live this way anymore. I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And I accept his gift of forgiveness and mercy. Please come into my life and change me. Amen. Just remember, you are not alone, and you are dearly, dearly loved.